0: Hello again, everyone. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining me on the show today is Christopher Rufo. Chris is a City Journal contributing editor and a documentary filmmaker based in Seattle. He's also a fellow at the Discovery Institute. He's here to talk about his latest feature essay for City Journal. It appeared in the winter 2020 issue, and it was released online over the weekend. It's called The Moral Crisis of Skid Row. You can check it out on our website and we'll link to it in the description. Embedded in the article is a three and a half minute film that was shot by Chris on location on Skid Row, and you'll want to see that for yourself. That's it for the introduction. We'll take a quick break and be back with Christopher Rufo. Hello again everyone. This is Brian Anderson, the editor of City Journal. Joining us from his home in Seattle today is Chris Rufo. Chris is a documentary filmmaker, a research fellow at the Discovery Institute's Center on Wealth and Poverty, and a City Journal contributing editor. You can follow him on Twitter, at @realchrisrufo. Um, <clears throat> Chris is here to talk about his latest essay for City Journal. It's on Los Angeles's addiction epidemic, which is feeding a very significant homelessness problem the essay is called the moral crisis of skid row chris thanks for joining us
1: it's great to be with you
0: you note uh, in your essay uh, that the firehouse near la skid row is one of america's busiest it's responding to something like uh, 35000 calls for service a year and you know you're you're also confronting on skid row record numbers of overdoses and mental health you know, cases. So obviously, it's it's a kind of uh, out-of-control neighborhood in some ways. Can you describe what you witnessed when you went down there to do some reporting? How much time did you spend there, and, and whom did you meet?
1: Yeah, I spent about a week down there, and I met with a wide range of people. Uh, I tagged along with a police sergeant of the LAPD. Um, I went to the, uh, the harm reduction clinic and talked to people who were Uh, serving in a medical capacity Um, and then I hit the streets with uh, addicts and former addicts to get a ground level view of what was happening and um, it's really astonishing in the city of Los Angeles, which is obviously a global superstar city, um, you have something that is in many ways worse than third world conditions. Uh, The police sergeant that I was talking to, uh, he had served overseas in the United States Marine Corps uh, in war zones. And he said the situation in Skid Row is the most desperate he's seen in the entire world. And I think that the reason that's true is because you have um, a hyper concentration of social pathologies in a very small area. Skid Row is only five by 10 blocks, but it's home to more than 12,000 homeless drug addicts every year. Um, And that is just an unbelievable concentration that makes it uh, difficult to maintain public order and even more importantly, difficult for people to really get a step up and lead lead themselves on a path to a better life.
0: You mentioned 12,000 people. Now that's not people actually there year round. That's that's homeless people who are kind of drifting in and out of the area, right?
1: Yeah, that is. That's over the course of a year. And, uh, you know, the estimates on Skid Row vary. Uh, some people say there's about 2,500 people that are sleeping on the streets at any given time. Other people estimate it as high as eight or 10,000. I think the best estimates, it's probably around two to 3,000 people at any given time. But again, it's a rotating population that kind of drifts in and drifts out. Um, so there's a, a high level of transience. And one of the things that I think was really shocking, and I heard this both from law enforcement and from people who were formerly uh, homeless uh, on Skid Row, is that it's it's really delineated by territory. Each block or each section uh, is controlled by uh, criminal street gangs from South L.A. that use it as a base of operations for drug dealing, uh, property crime, prostitution. Um, so it's, it's really a kind of criminally organized favela system that is enabled and then in many cases, I think we can make the argument, perpetuated by the public policies of centralization that have been really the dominant approach in Los Angeles for the past few decades.
0: Well, you know, we did an article um, at, at the magazine I guess it was, it was over a decade a decade ago now uh, by Heather MacDonald, which described uh, a kind of turnaround that was taking place on Skid Row. The conditions there, especially when it came to crime, uh, were, were improving. This is when uh, Bill Bratton was police commissioner of Los Angeles. Um, you know, in talking to people to report your story, uh, the sense you were getting is that, that things are getting worse there, not better.
1: Yeah, much worse. And I think that if you look at uh, Heather McDonald's piece that, that lays out the progress that was being made at that snapshot in time, it's pretty remarkable. There was absolute progress. Uh, you know, the data shows that from the time. But what happened was a few things. Uh, first of all, um, the, the kind of broken windows policing in L.A., it was called the Safer Streets Initiative, it met a tremendous amount of resistance from progressive activists uh, who were concerned about criminalizing homelessness. And unfortunately, there's there's really been this debate from homelessness kind of activist community, uh, from civil libertarians that don't want any restrictions on uh, public camping, public drug consumption, uh, and want to really kind of push back against what they view as over-policing or criminalizing uh, non-criminal activity but the problem is that there's really a cause and effect relationship that you see as as they were implementing safer streets initiative you see a, a pretty significant reduction in crime and disorder even the number of people on the streets and as they loosened it up and slowly really abandoned that 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 approach you see the numbers climb up and on top of that starting in about 2010 to 2015 you have a methamphetamine epidemic that is really just dousing uh, kind of gasoline on the flames of this problem. And you're seeing uh, record numbers of methamphetamine overdoses, heroin overdoses, uh, that is really compounding this problem and making it extremely difficult to tackle. Uh, because as as many people know, methamphetamine is really one of the most dangerous drugs. You take someone who might already be in a desperate situation, uh, you know, you have them on methamphetamine, which can induce psychosis, uh, cause paranoia, hallucinations, violent behavior. Um, and then you put it in the, the hothouse of thousands of people who are dwelling on the streets um, in a heavy concentration of criminal activity. And it's really explosive. That's what you hear from law enforcement, from first responders. They're burned out because they're taking hundreds of calls a day in many cases um, in a very volatile part of town that's really been cordoned off from the rest of LA. Um, There's kind of a a tacit understanding that policymakers have made this wager that if they can geographically isolate the problem in places like Skid Row, um, they don't have to address some of those fundamentals. And I think that uh, what I saw on the streets, um, the the kind of human despair and tragedy, I, I think really goes to show that that approach isn't working and it's reaching a point of crisis.
0: As you note in your essay, uh, progressive leaders across the country, healthcare workers, have been embracing a notion of harm reduction as a way of dealing with drug addiction. Uh, Is that prevalent on Skid Row, and what is your view of its effectiveness?
1: It is. You know, I visited with the Center for Harm Reduction, which is the kind of central point uh, for needle exchange, needle distribution, Harm Reduction Services, an organization that's also interested in opening a safe injection site. And, and I'm really struck uh, in, in two ways as we look at harm reduction. First, I think we have to acknowledge, uh, especially from the conservative perspective, that in some ways harm reduction does work. Harm reduction, I think, has a very clear record of reducing uh, the, the transmission of infectious diseases. Uh, I think it has a, a record of reducing things like uh, HIV so so in a limited sense harm reduction does work and i think can have the clinical evidence base to to show that but in another sense harm reduction is what i think of as a brutal calculus they're measuring uh measuring harm reduction against a kind of hypothesized worst case scenario but what harm reduction doesn't do and doesn't have a good record to show in places like Skid Row, in places like the downtown East Side in Vancouver, in places like the Tenderloin in San Francisco. It doesn't have a record of showing of reducing the absolute numbers of addiction, uh, overdoses, overdoses, and overdose deaths. In fact, in all of these cities, uh, addiction to total number of people on the streets, the total number of people addicted total number of people overdosing and dying from overdoses has gone up and up and up over the past decade. So while, while you can say, well, it could be worse, I think that we have to do better than that. I don't think that's really a, a, a kind of a relevant baseline or really a fair baseline for public policy. And unfortunately, harm reduction, if it's not practiced within certain limitations, can lead to enablement, can lead to a policy regime of permissiveness that 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 kind of tolerates and enables uh, massive dysfunction concentrated in places like Skid Row. So while my heart goes out to the people who are working on the front lines every day, um, you can see the compassion, the care, and the kindness that they extend to people on Skid Row. I'm afraid that if you look at it in absolute numbers, um, the record of harm reduction uh, isn't as good as people claim and certainly hasn't demonstrated the ability to turn the tide and to change things in a fundamental way uh, that will need to happen in order to really change the trajectory of Skid Row. The
0: uh, the phrase housing first is one of the most common used by activists in LA and other cities uh, when when they discuss homelessness issues. Uh, and in 2016, LA voters approved, I think, a billion dollars in new spending, maybe even more, with a goal of building I think it was 10,000 affordable housing units. So far, though, the results of that project to build these new apartments have been pretty unimpressive, right?
1: They have. And I think that there are two essential problems with housing first. As you you mentioned, they had the goal with $1.2 billion in taxpayer funding. Uh, to construct 10,000 units, three years later they had only opened 72 units. They were costing between six and seven hundred thousand dollars a piece, uh, and almost half of those costs, about 40 percent, uh, were eaten up by consultants and regulatory costs and lawyers, and 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 what are called soft costs. So, on a practical side, uh, the city of Los Angeles, the county of Los Angeles has demonstrated that they can't actually construct units quickly uh, on time or on on budget but there's actually a deeper problem I think that the slogan housing first sounds good but the real question is housing first and then what what do you do with people who in many cases have a severe addiction to heroin or methamphetamines have severe mental illnesses like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder uh, have no source of employment or independent income, and are really disconnected from all of those uh, family and social bonds that create a stable sense of meaning in their lives. Housing First, while it shows the, the, the evidence and the, the academic evidence even, shows that you can retain people year over year at about an 80% rate. So if you take someone off the streets, put them in a housing-first apartment, uh, 80% of those people will still be in that housing unit over the course of a year, uh, which is fairly good. Um, But in a sense, it's not surprising. If you give someone a free apartment, uh, you could expect a high level of retention, maybe even higher than 80%. But the real problem and the fundamental question that the political leaders aren't acknowledging or addressing is that even the evidence from people who support Housing First, uh, even the academics who I think are open to it that have studied the problem, it shows that in the vast majority of studies, there's no improvement in substance abuse, there's no improvement in mental illness and psychiatric systems, and in in many studies, actually, uh, those symptoms tend to get worse, so that as you bring people off the streets, uh, in one study recently in Ottawa, Canada, of a Housing First unit, The people who entered housing first actually had worse outcomes than a control group of homeless people who were left on the streets, which is just an astonishing thing that you have housing, you have services available, uh, but unfortunately, not a very good way to deal with some of those pressing human challenges and improve the lives of the people inside the physical structures.
0: Ultimately, you're arguing that the homelessness crisis in L.A. and elsewhere is a moral crisis. Say a little bit more about that, because it does have implications for how we try to address the problem.
1: Yeah, I think that we, we can't hesitate to call it what it is, and I think it's a moral crisis on two levels. Uh, first, certainly, what I saw on Skid Row is uh, thousands of people dealing with profound personal moral crises— in their lives. And what I mean by that is uh, these are conflicts of, of family, of, of of choices, of kind of individual despair. Um, and it's a moral crisis in the sense that you're dealing with these key moral issues. Uh, in many cases, there's high levels of, of uh, drug abuse, prostitution, crime, and violence. These are really moral concerns. You see people that have a desperate need for social connection and family, uh, and, and, and a real sense of community that I think is ultimately a moral concern. Um, but that's not to say that these are people who are are universally having personal moral failings. Obviously, this is a, a moral failing of the wider community. Um, at the same time, I think there's another higher level that that we can see a moral crisis, and that's at the level of public leadership uh, on Skid Row. I think that if you look at the uh, the amount of resources that are devoted to this problem, um, I think it's really a moral scandal that the public leadership in the city and county of LA have at it, have at it, at their disposal more than five billion dollars to spend on this crisis, but they've failed to address the complex, real world challenges and kind of hidden and abstract uh, abstract ideas of constructing housing or 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 taking on this challenge. Uh, but but have failed to wrestle with those concrete issues that you see on the streets. And I think that um, it's really a moral scandal that you have a, uh, a public infrastructure that has adequate resources to address the crisis, but has failed to do so in a meaningful way. And uh, I think it's an abdication of leadership um, and it, and most importantly, an abdication of moral leadership to not be able to call out what is really happening and, and actually address it um, And I think that if you look at even Mayor Garcetti's press releases over the last few years, um, they've increasingly been geared towards uh, ideological concerns, abstract concerns, identity politics concerns, as you can see him uh, and the people around him disengaging from the more difficult challenges. And I think it'll take um, the public really to to reject that kind of leadership uh, by abstraction, and demand accountability for the real human issues that are plaguing the city.
0: Chris, you've got a new full-length documentary that you've finished and are rolling out. Uh, Do you want to take a moment just to talk about it and where our listeners can go to find out more about that?
1: Absolutely. So I spent the better part of five years directing a documentary that will be uh, released nationally on PBS later this year. About three forgotten American cities, and I'm really looking at uh, American poverty through the lens of Youngstown, Ohio, Memphis, Tennessee and Stockton, California. And I think what I learned making this film and what I try to convey uh, through the stories is that um, we often think of poverty as an economic problem, but really it's a a much like Skid Row. Honestly, it's a social, cultural and human problem. So I followed families over the course of about three years that are struggling to, uh, to make it through this really brutal uh, reality of these fallen cities. Um, and I also suggest a way forward for the revitalization of faith, family, and community and economic opportunity. So if, if, if you're interested and you're listening, uh, you can learn more about the film at americalostfilm.com uh, and, and uh, watch the trailer, uh, purchase the film, even get involved and host a screening in your community. So I'm very excited about that. I think that um, a lot of these lessons, uh, Skid Row is kind of the the end point of a lot of these lessons. So you're seeing American poverty in these forgotten cities, um, and I'm hoping that they can avoid the fate of, of really the most desperate parts of places like Skid Row.
0: Don't forget to check out Christopher Rufo's work on the City Journal website, www.city-journal.org. His latest essay is called The Moral Crisis of Skid Row. We'll link to his author page in the description. And you can follow him on Twitter, at Real Chris You can also find City Journal on Twitter, at City Journal, and Instagram, at Journal underscore mi. And always, if you like what you've heard on the podcast, please uh, leave us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening. And thanks very much, Chris, for joining us. It's a pleasure.